Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking about a form of non-hormonal contraceptive called barrier methods. During this episode, we will be talking about spermicide, condoms, diaphragms, and caps. I'm sure some of those might be new to you. This is our third episode on our discussion on contraceptives. Before we get started, I am super excited to announce a little project I've been working on. I am now offering intimacy coaching calls. To snag your free 20-minute call to help improve your intimacy, go to intimacy.vaginasvulvasandvibrators.com. I cannot wait to connect with you. If you have been following along, you know we have already covered some hormonal birth control options. So the pills, the patch, the ring, the shot, the Nexplanon, and the IUD. So now it's time to talk about some non-hormonal options. In this episode, we are covering barrier methods. So what is a barrier method? A barrier method of contraceptive is a birth control that acts as a barrier to prevent the sperm and egg from meeting. This method is not as effective at preventing pregnancy as other options. In one year, you're going to see about 18 to 28 of 100 women will get pregnant with a barrier method. They work best when used correctly every single time you have sex. Now, the most common barrier method that you have probably heard of is condoms. And a condom is a barrier that contains the ejaculation that has the sperm in it, and that prevents the sperm from entering the vaginal vault and further traveling into the uterus and potentially fertilizing an egg. There are two types of condoms. You have male condoms and female condoms. Most people are more familiar with male condoms, which go over an erect penis. Female condoms, on the other hand, are a pouch that is inserted into the vagina and kind of lines the vagina. And a female condom can actually be placed up to eight hours prior to sex. Now, when using a condom, male or female, you will want to use a lubricant for comfort and to prevent tearing or breaking. When choosing a lubricant, you're going to want to make sure that it is something that is condom safe. So something that is water-based or silicone-based. The one that I recommend is going to be just like me from Pure Romance. That one is a water-based pH balance lubricant. It works great with condoms. You do not want to use a lotion or oil-based lubricant. So no baby oil, cooking oil, coconut oil as those can all break down the condom and make it ineffective. Now, to be effective, you will need to use a condom 100% of the time, from start to finish. Condoms are about 82% effective, and that's because things happen, they can break, slip off, and that accounts for that typical use we've mentioned in the prior episodes where Sometimes they're not used for the entire sexual act. 
Outside of pregnancy prevention, condoms are the only way to protect you against some STDs if you're sexually active. The reason condoms do not protect against all STDs is because A, you got to use them all the time and for the full duration, but also some sexually transmitted infections and diseases are spread via the skin and sometimes that skin is not covered by a condom. And we're going to talk a lot more about that when we talk about STDs, but that's something to be aware of. There are three main materials that are used to make condoms. You have latex, you have your latex free, which is your polyurethane, and then you have sheep skin or some other animal skin. The latex and polyurethane are the most effective at protecting against STDs. Now, keep in mind, condoms are single use and must be thrown away after use. Now, I got a couple of hot tips for you guys. The first one is don't open your condom wrappers with your teeth. That can potentially tear the condom. When storing your condoms, don't store them in a hot place. So don't store them in the car. Don't store them in your wallet or your purse. You're going to want to store them in a room temperature environment to help uh, keep them intact or maintain their integrity. Also, do not use the male and female condom together. That can uh, create more friction and result in tearing and breaking. And lastly, whatever you do, don't flush the condoms down the toilet. You can thank me later for that one. You don't want to have a backup and have the plumber come out and pull out all your condoms. That would not be ideal. So keep that in mind. Throw them in the garbage. All right. So now we're going to talk about spermicide. And spermicide is another type of barrier method. It is a chemical that inactivates and kills the sperm. You can use it alone or with other barrier methods such as condoms or caps and diaphragms, which we're going to talk about here shortly. Spermicide alone is 72% effective. It is more effective when used with other barrier methods. And it comes in different forms. So it comes in foam, gel, cream, suppositories, and films. To use a spermicide, you will want to place it about 15 minutes prior to sexual intercourse. Now, that does vary based on the type that you purchase, so make sure you always read the package insert, but that's kind of the common, common time frame is about 15 minutes. Spermicide is only effective for an hour. And for maximum effectiveness, do not try to remove the spermicide as it does continue to work for six hours. You will also need to reapply it with every sexual act. Some potential concerns that you might encounter if you choose to use a spermicide is vaginal irritation or burning. And Something that I learned when I was putting this together is that spermicides can actually increase your risk of contracting STDs, including HIV. And so I wanted to do a little bit more research on that because I wasn't familiar with that. And the CDC stated that, ACOG, the American College of OBGYNs, stated that. 
And the reason for that is that the chemical can cause irritation inside the vagina and it makes it easier for the STDs and the viruses, the diseases to enter the body. And so that's something to always keep in mind with your spermicide, you know, um, um, limit your number of sexual partners. If you're choosing to use this type of contraceptive method, make sure you're getting tested beforehand, monogamy, things like that. And we'll talk a little bit more about STDs and contracting them when we get to that topic. But I thought that was really important to know. The next couple of barrier methods we're going to talk about actually require that you use spermicide with them. How many of you are familiar with using the cap or the diaphragm? Those are both methods that I'm sure some of us might be familiar with, but I don't remember learning much about those as a teen and even as an adult, I know very little about them. So this was actually a really good thing for me to put together to refresh my memory on these options. So the cap is a small plastic dome that fits tightly over the cervix and stays in place by suction. So that kind of reminded me actually of our menstrual cups. Caps are 71% effective and must be used with spermicide. The cap must be left in place for six hours after the last sex act, but no more than 48 hours total. If you have sex more than once, you do not need to reapply spermicide. However, you just need to make sure that you do not remove the cap for at least six hours after the last sex act. So again, that spermicide lasts for six hours and continues to work. So you want to make sure you keep it in. One downside to a cap is that it must be fitted by a provider. And honestly, I'm super curious who is fitting for caps because I haven't ever seen that done. I've never been asked about that. And so even, you know, even in PA school, I never really learned who did those. So I'm curious if OB guides are making or fitting caps. Caps can be less effective in women who have given birth and they may need to be refitted after having a baby or if you have significant weight loss or weight gain. Again, there is that increased risk of HIV and other STDs with this method because it requires the spermicide. And there is also a risk of toxic shock syndrome when using the cap, which actually reminds me that we should spend a little bit more time on toxic shock syndrome at some point here coming up. I'm going to have to add that to my list of topics because that's a really good one. Some women may notice vaginal irritation and odor as well. So the diaphragm is the other method that also requires the use of spermicide. And a diaphragm is a small dome-shaped device made of silicone or latex that fits inside the vagina and covers the cervix. The difference between the cap and the diaphragm is that the diaphragm is larger and fits against the vaginal wall where the cap just covers the cervix. The diaphragm is 88% effective. And when using this method, you must use spermicide with it, like I mentioned, and it must stay in place for six hours after the last sex act. But you cannot leave this one in for more than 24 hours. 
So again, if you have multiple sex acts, you would need to wait six hours after the last one to remove it. With diaphragms, if you have multiple sex acts, you do need to reapply the spermicide without removing the diaphragm. There are two types of diaphragms, one that is individually sized and must be fitted by your healthcare provider, and there is one that comes in one size fits most, but it doesn't work for all women. Again, there's that increased risk of HIV and other STDs with this method because of that spermicide. There is also a risk of toxic shock syndrome when using this method, and some women may notice vaginal irritation, burning, or even an increased risk of UTIs. Now, the final barrier method we are going to talk about is the sponge. This one I am sure many of you have not heard of before either. The sponge is a round device that contains spermicide. It is inserted into the vagina and covers the cervix to prevent sperm from entering the uterus. It can be placed up to 24 hours prior to sexual intercourse and needs to be left in place for six hours after the last sex act. It should not be worn more than 30 hours. If you have multiple sex acts, you do not need to change the sponge. Again, this one increases your risk of HIV and other STDs because of that spermicide. And you do have a risk of toxic shock syndrome, and some women may experience vaginal irritation or burning. So that wraps up our overview on barrier methods. I definitely think that is a really good refresher for everyone, and personally, that came at perfect timing. I had just been talking to one of my girlfriends this week about how I decided to stop my hormonal birth control, and I was talking to her like, what are my alternative options for preventing pregnancy. I appreciated this little reminder today. Now keep in mind if something happens to your barrier method, such as the condom slips off, breaks, you don't leave your cap, your diaphragm, your sponge in for six hours, you can always consider an emergency contraceptive. And we are going to be talking about that in an upcoming episode as well. Thank you for joining me today and stay tuned for our next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Pure Romance by Jordan Jones. Have you heard about her quarterly subscription box, The Sexy Box? The next shipment goes out September 15th. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss the hottest subscription box out there. Each box is valued at more than $100 and includes some of the top selling products. Check out the link in the bio to get yours today. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.